I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Um, we've been in a sermon series called Altered Living, A-L-T-A-R apostrophe D, and it's talking about the power of the altar in our lives. And last week we talked, uh, last week, this week, and next week, we're going to talk about three people from the Old Testament and moments of altars where in that moment something occurred, but more importantly, God became more real to them in a new way. See, how many of you know that I think so many times when we've come to know Christ, we think we know a lot. We're like that teenager, right? We think we know everything, and we need to be whooped a little bit. We need to understand we don't know everything. We don't know near as much as we thought we did. And that's what occurred in these altar moments. God revealed himself in a new and exciting way, and in those moments, there came a name I won't say change, but addition. So God is referred to a lot of names in the Bible. But in these moments, because of what he did, there is a name that occurs right there. Last week in Abraham, when he went to um, sacrifice Isaac, his promise, his purpose, everything he told him to do, everything stemmed off of Isaac, right? He said, I'm raising a great nation out of you. He told him he was going to be a father of many children. So he gives him one, and now all of a sudden he tells him to go sacrifice. In that moment, God became... Jehovah Jireh. He already was, but Abraham knew him in that way. See, intimacy is that. Intimacy means to know. That's why in the Bible it says Adam knew Eve. Well, that's not a sermon today, but but intimacy is to know. And in these moments of exchange, these moments at this altar, Abraham now knew God in a new way. He knew that he is the God, is what Jehovah Jireh is, the Lord will provide. In that moment, now he understood, if God called me to this purpose, he told me he was going to do it, he will provide. Maybe not in my timing, not, maybe not in the way I had planned for it to occur, maybe not in my own doing, but he will provide. Today, I want to talk about Moses. And I know Moses has a big, long story, but I'm going to to zoom in on one part, um, particularly where he has this moment where the same thing, an altar moment where the name of God now takes on this new name because of something that occurred. And it's funny where it occurs, but I want to read first. We're going to read Acts 17, and I've been reading this because this is all of us. As Paul is talking to the people in Athens, this is going to be on the screen, 17. Um, 22 through 27, if you don't have your Bibles. And you've already heard it a couple of times now. So some of you are like, why does he got to keep reading this? Because I want this to be fresh in your spirit. Because I want this to be a place of constant challenge for us. Because we, like these people in Athens, when we meet Christ, have a lot of altars built, have a lot of idols in our life 
to gods before we ever met Jesus. Little did we know there were things in our life that became gods. Our identity can be stuck in some of these things. And what Paul is saying, because each of us, I heard it put this way one time, that each of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart. And have you ever tried to put, you remember as a kid, you had the, 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 the blocks with the squares and the circles and the triangles, and you could put them in the holes, unless you're really smart like me, and you just tried to bang them into the wrong holes, like, I'll make this circle fit. It fit, but it lost a whole lot, right? And then when it went through, it didn't really fit. It's the same thing in our life with Jesus. Like, he is the missing piece of us, but we will take so many things and try to make it fit, and it never does. That's why so many people are stuck in addiction. So many people are stuck in uh, anxiety and depression because they're chasing all these things or they've become all these things. And realistic, God's like, it's not who you are. This is not what you need. If you would just talk to the maker, if you would talk to the creator, I could help you. I could show you how this fits and and works. So this is what he's telling the, the men of Athens who had all these little G gods that really weren't doing anything for them, that was only doing things to them right? Lightning, fire, all these things. It really is just these gods somewhere that really didn't care about people. They were just using them at their own leisure. So these gods that were doing things to them, he wanted to introduce them to a God who wanted to do things for them. And they had an altar as he was walking that was to an unknown God. God. He said, for as I passed along and observed the objects, I'm skipping right to 23, of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Because even those men who had all these gods and had it all figured out, there was still a missing piece that they just couldn't put their finger on. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. In other words, I know what you don't. The God, big G God, all these little Gs, and now all of a sudden we see the God, one God, who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So men of Athens, the God that you have assigned to this unknown space, this little altar compared to all of the pomp and circumstance of the others is actually where you'll find the answer to all of this. As you begin to invest time into this little altar, spending space and time in relationship and communion with this God, slowly you'll realize this God's not real. This God's not real. This God's not real. You begin to unravel what you thought, the traditions and the religions that you followed, the things that had value to you before him. But I want to get to Moses today, Exodus 17, 14, and 15. I only have a piece of the story of this uh, in Scripture. Uh, I'll, I'll relay before we get to the Scripture, but I'll have you go ahead and turn to Exodus 17, 14, uh, and 15. So what we find is this is the children of Israel following beyond the Red Sea. They are in the wilderness at this moment. So this is a story that started, if you don't know the story of Moses, don't know the children of Israel, I would encourage you to go watch the Ten Commandments. It's an old movie with Charlton Heston, but he was a, a dashing man, and maybe that's what Moses looked like. Um, 
but know that Hollywood doesn't get it all right. I can only encourage you to dive into the word today and, and invest some time into learning about the children of Israel. And you're like, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. Christian. I, I don't know Jesus. I don't really need to know all of that. Oof. It's funny when you begin to read the story of Exodus, how our story plays out a lot of the same way again and again and again. Like, it's funny, even when you're reading the story of the children of Israel, how many times they are on this loop. The wilderness was a physical perspective of what they were actually going through spiritually, mentally. Like, it was just, it was physically, they were stuck in this place, and they couldn't get anywhere, just circling around. But in their minds, in their beliefs, in their understanding, and all the things They were doing a lot of the same things. And physically, many of those people died in the wilderness, the place of their being stuck, because they died here in the place they were stuck. Just going to let that marinate a little bit. We can get stuck in this place, in this place, 40 years or maybe forever, But the invitation of the altar and the invitation of God is to continually know him more so that you don't have to stay there. A whole generation had to die. Why 40 years? A whole generation of people that were just more tied to their slave mentality than to the promise they'd been given. That whole generation had to die off. Who went? The kids. The kids who were born in the wilderness, the kids who knew nothing of slavery. Why? Because that's the only way. So then Jesus now comes to us. I'm going to get to this. Jesus comes to us, and he wants us to be born again, which in that mindset is to release what we've known and be born in that moment to be in a space of constantly learning. Remember when you were a kid and you were a sponge, you wanted to know everything. I can remember one of the greatest gifts I ever got, and now like you're thinking about it, like, that's not good. I talked to my mom and dad. You remember, you kids won't understand this because you just have the Google machine at your fingertips and you get all of this. Where's my older folks at? Y'all remember those dudes that used to come to your door, carry, he should have had a donkey, but carrying all these Encyclopedia Britannicas? That was the most built dude ever. I don't care about Gold's Gym. That dude was ripped. You need all of this knowledge. Yes, every piece of knowledge in the world they put into this collection of books. And I talked my mom and dad and get it, and I was kind of a nerdy kid. I used to, thank you. <laughs> I used to just sit there and just start on one and just read through these encyclopedias. Why? Because I wanted to learn things. It was exciting to me. I used to love to... Um, Certain classes like chemistry where you would do things that would stretch you, like you see something catch on fire and all the things. Like, Whoa, that was amazing. And then you wanted to know the why behind it. This is the way a relationship with Jesus should be. You come and you meet him, and then what are you going to do with it? Do you, is it? Are you just satisfied with what the pastor said? If you say this, you're good. Well, I'm good. I'm going to go back to doing whatever I did. Well, guess what? You're walking back into a life filled with temples built to little G God. And we put this little unknown God place in our life for an hour or two, depending on how long the pastor preaches, on a Sunday. And that's kind of where he's stuck. We're okay with what somebody tells us, but we don't invest time into learning. So I encourage you to get in this book. But in this moment, 
God has freed the children of Israel, brought them out of Egypt, gone through the Red Sea. The big Red Sea splits. They walked right through it on dry land as the Pharaoh and his armies coming after them. The Red Sea crashes on top of them, takes them all out. And now they're on the other side and they have this promised land ahead of them. God had promised back in Abraham, I'm going to deliver this area. I'm going to bring you to this. And through life and time, through a, a famine and them being delivered from the famine by being in allowed to come into Egypt through Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat. Well, through the years, Joseph died off and then the new Pharaoh didn't care and enslaved them. Then he got scared of them and killed all their firstborn. Like it really got bad in Egypt. So God said, you're not my, you're, they're trying to undo my people. They're trying to make you, demean you, limit your value. So he brings them out. And in a moment of restoration, he says, okay, I'm taking you back to where I told you you could go. Okay, let's go. But then they get right there, close enough where they can walk in, and the troops they send over, the 10 they send over, come back and say, ooh, there's giants, we can't get all that. And it's like, okay, if the God that took you out of Egypt and did all these different uh, plagues against the Pharaoh and then splits the Red Sea, all of this, and now you're still limited by what you can see. You're limited by what you know. So now they go in the, the constant circle for 40 years. But in this moment, it says uh, that Amalek came and fought with Israel. So this army shows up uh, led by Amalek, and he fights with Israel. And God says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. Send your troops down. As you can imagine, this is not a well-tuned army. This is not the Navy SEALs. This is not people who are built for war. There's some warriors in here, but mostly these are craftsmen and builders. There's women and children. So they don't have a big army ready to go fight another army. So you got to understand that to understand they needed God in this situation. So God says, send down Joshua and, his, and the troops you do have, and I need you to go up on this hill, and as long as your arms raise with your staff, you will win that battle. As long as that staff is outstretched, your hands are up, the battle will be won. The moment you, your arms drop, they'll overtake you. Wow. Like, if you know anything about Moses and this staff, this staff has a lot of things tied to it. Really, it becomes the focus of Moses' own insecurities. So how it was birthed, actually, if you think about it, God told him in the burning bush, go tell children of Israel that I've come to save them, tell Pharaoh I'm taking my people back. And then Moses is like, well, who do I tell him called me? Well, you just tell him a voice in a burning bush. That probably would get the point across. But if you need to give him a name, you just tell him I am that I am. In other words, everything you need me to be, I will be. I'm bigger than you can imagine. And then Moses, I love this, in that moment of recognition, if that's who God is and he's talking to me, then I think I'm going to be okay, right? In the same way, this army that's just walked through the Red Sea and gets told they're going to there, okay, if he told me to do it, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> Human error gets in the way quite a bit, quite a bit. So God just says, go. He's talking to him in a fiery bush. And all of us, hindsight, we're like, yeah, I just go. Like, if he told me to talk to whoever, I'm, I'm in. But Moses in his humanity, says, okay, God, I'll tell him who you are, but you don't really know me. Like, I'm a stammer. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, how do I do that? How do I, how, why me? And he goes, okay, take up that staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. 
and it turns into a snake. And then he says, pick it up. This is where I'm going. I'm not sticking around after that. Picks it up, and the snake becomes a staff again. So now we find Abraham, or Moses, excuse me, and all these plagues, he used this staff for a lot of things. He did the same thing in front of Pharaoh. He tapped the Nile River, and it turned into blood. All this staff, and now all of a sudden, God's like, go win this battle, hold this staff up. So he gets up there, they're fighting, and even in a moment of, because this is not a, a quick thing, this is not a, ah, boom. There's fighting involved. So as he's lifting him, his arms get tired, as any of our arms would get tired. So Aaron and her come up, and they hold his arms up. They put a stone under him so he can sit down and get real comfortable. I don't think it's very ergonomic. But they made sure his arms were up, and the battle was won. So in this moment, begin to think about all the layers of what occurred and who could be glorified in this moment, right? Wow, look at Moses and his staff. I've seen it turn into a snake. I've seen it turn water into blood. I've, wow. And even now, he's caused this battle. Look at that. So good. But in this moment, God tells him something. Exodus 17, 14, and 15. Coming off of this battle, 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. In our language, what we've, as Jehovah Jireh was the Lord that provides, Jehovah Nisi is the Lord is my banner. And I want to title this sermon today, Raise the Flag. Raise the Flag. So think about this perspective of what God is saying to Moses in this moment. He tells him to do two things. Write it down, first and foremost, and then speak it into the ears of Joshua. Why did he say write it down? Because if anything, these people need to know that I am God not the God of your staff, not the God of Moses, but I am God. And they are not operating under the banner of Moses, under the banner of what Moses has done. They are operating under my banner, my name, me. I was provider and still am, but you've got to know under the banner is the one who called you. So right before this happened, before this moment happened, as they're led out, of Egypt, what are the two things that led them? Does anybody remember? You ought to know there's going to be response time. Anybody remember the two things they were led by? Fire and smoke. In the day they were in the daytime, they were led by smoke. In the evening, they were led by fire. So in this moment, that's what's leading them. That's the banner, if you think about it from this perspective. The banner is what generally in an army, if you go back to the old times, the flag of that country, the flag of that platoon was always out in front. And that's what the troops would follow. They didn't follow the general. They followed the banner. And it stunk to be the flag holder because generally it was some young kid who didn't have a weapon. He just had a flag. So he really hoped that they believed in that flag because if they didn't follow him... It wasn't going to be good. Guys, are y'all really with me? We, we love this, right? Y'all love this? You're good? General didn't make y'all mad? President didn't tick y'all off? Like, we're good, right? Okay, because I'm walking, and I'm just going to trust that everybody's coming with me. 
not baseball, but it's the banner that they follow. So in this moment with the children of Israel, the banner was in the sky. And what God is saying in this moment, Moses is christening through what God's telling him to say, is that this isn't me. This isn't the leader. We're really following him, doing it in his name. The children of Israel is coming to pass. This is the banner. The second thing he tells is go speak this into the ears of Joshua. Why is that? He was already preparing the next leader of this nation. He didn't tell Moses in that moment, oh yeah, Moses, you need to go tell this to Joshua because by the way, you're going to goon this thing up and you're not actually going to the promised land. Nope. But he knew the heart of what was coming. He knew the next generation. He knew that that piece of the moment was just as important as learning it himself. For us as parents, we have to understand that what we see and we go through is just as important to pass on to our kids after us. We've not done a good job of this in Christianity. We just expect them when they get older to go through their own things. And guess what? In their youth, they're going through their own things. But we don't teach them the banner we go under. So they begin to develop banners. They begin to develop gods. They begin to develop altars in their life. And then in a moment where they meet Christ, they have to get undone in the same way we had to because we didn't prepare them. What he's telling them in this altar moment is, I now understand that this is God who's calling us. That was the purpose. This is an altar moment for Moses. It's a recognition place. Why did it take this? Because it was in that moment that God went from Savior to overcomer. He had saved them from Egypt, and they didn't do anything but just walk. In this moment of overcoming, it required them to fight. Put a little skin in the game. Get a little bloody. In that moment, he transitioned to something bigger because now not only did they have the ability just to follow, but they were a part of something. And if they were going to be a part of something, they had to realize they're not a part of Moses' army. They're not a part of Joshua's army. They are a part of the kingdom, the nation of God. So now, as we transition to us, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, sorry, my thing timed out. I want to connect you to this very same thing, from salvation to overcomer. You see, this is the exact same thing that Jesus had to go through. He died on the cross, salvation. Three days later, he became overcomer. That's where the power came. Not was, it was not on the cross where he died for your sins. It's when he overcame death to let you know that there's something better on the other side of this. That you got to keep walking. Don't get to the cross and stop. You've been called. So now, what does the New Testament begin to say about this Lord is my banner? Because this is the flag we have to walk under. You have to understand today, there are a lot of flags that we follow. 21 years in the Navy, I followed a flag. I love this country. I love this country enough to pray for it. I love this country enough to realize the cracks in the foundation, the brokenness it represents at times. I love this country enough to know that it has been used to wound people and hurt people. 
Think of some of the other flag, Christian flag. We follow it. But denominations, Christian denominations, have wounded people and hurt people. We will follow denominations before we know it. See, what happens is we lose track of the fire and the smoke and we start following man. I would challenge you today, if you follow a flag that's changed, you better be careful because the flags of man will change. Think about the United States flag. It's changed through the time. It gets different stars, different all the things. There is one banner that will never change, and that is the banner of God. If you truly call him Jehovah Nisi today, if you truly want to know him as that, then it is a declaration over my life that my pursuit will be of God, not of man. And I hope today, it's coming from the lips of your pastor, if you ever see me going right and the cloud going left, you better go left. You better NASCAR it. Don't wait for me. Okay, he took a right, but maybe he knows a faster route. Maybe he knows a a better way to get there. That's the purpose now in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the cloud by day and the fire by night. It is the, the guiding force in all of us. As we get connection to this God within us, this spirit that moves us, not just to counsel, it's like, oh, make you feel good. No, it wants you to move. It's not just going to keep you stuck in the broken places you are. If you're stuck in the wilderness, it's because you're not following the fire. It's inside you. Acts 2, what? Fire came down from heaven and set on their heads, right? This is the transition from old to new. But I want to read these scriptures because now the name Jehovah Nisi, we have a, a new name, one that we follow in this moment. Matthew 28, 18. I don't have these on the screen, but I encourage you to write these down and go back and read them. This is the moment of overcoming. This is the moment that Jesus comes back, is resurrected from the cross, and he meets up with the 11 disciples. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this moment, the banner now has Jesus. But this is not Jehovah Nisi, one line and initial. This Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. It's what he came to do. The Lord is my banner. So the whole Old Testament is a bunch of people that should have been following the fire and the smoke, or the fire in the cloud, but continues to mess it up, go their own way. This king takes them this way. This king takes them this way. The the nation of Israel is broken into two. They bring it back together. It's broken. It's overtaken. And now Jesus comes on the scene. This is the moment of restoration of the banner. Who is Jesus? Jesus represents the kingdom of God. He came to earth not only to die for your sins. That's a piece of the puzzle. He came as your savior, yes. But he also came as your banner. He shows us how to do it. We know how to say what Jesus said because we can memorize Scripture and it makes us feel really good. Jesus said this. Yeah, but he didn't say it here. He didn't say it to this person. We don't have the context of all around it. But the call was to actually follow him, right? What did he say to the disciples? Come, follow me. What do you do to the banner? Follow it. So Jesus came as the physical embodiment of the banner of heaven. The Lord is my banner. 
Jesus Christ is my banner. So the call is now to follow. And what he's saying in this moment is to the leaven that knew him, the, the leaven that trusted him, the leaven that were there, it ain't about you no more. It's about me. And just like Moses, the 11 disciples, guess what? They had moments where it was about them. Peter, he had moments where he swayed and it always took somebody to come back and like, hey, Paul was generally the one, right? It's funny that Paul was the one that was off following and they were following Jesus and he was out here doing his own thing. So when he comes, he understands because he was following what he thought was the banner and the moment he realizes Jesus was that, it just validates all this stuff and he is now in pursuit as the Dukes of Hazard used to say, in hot pursuit. If you didn't watch Dukes of Hazard, yes, not with me. That's okay. We are in hot pursuit. But he was in hot pursuit, and he wasn't going to let anything get in his way. And when he saw the ones that should have been following after it, the ones who knew Jesus start to stray, he was like, hey, Peter, don't lose sight of the fire. I know this is commonplace. I know this is your tradition, but don't lose sight of the fire. One thing I want to say, too, is from the cross to the empty tomb, and as I was thinking about this perspective of how many people get stuck at the cross, think about this. The banner was never the cross. The cross was just the flagpole. Because the flag was hung. The banner was hung on the cross, on the flagpole. Then it was taken down. There's so many people standing at the flagpole like, when's the banner going to come back? And Jesus like, the disciples were the same way, and he told them, they ain't going to be there long, but okay. That place of overcoming, from Savior to overcomer, now it's not just, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm stuck here. No, it, I took care of that, so now follow me. Let's go be overcomers. The world needs love, grace, and mercy that I've given. The world needs a testimony. The world needs a light that illuminates the darkness. John 14, 13. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So in this moment, the banner, Jesus Christ, Whatever you do or whatever you ask in my name, this is a, a scripture that we have warped and manipulated and use it to manipulate people. I've seen it time and time again. Usually it's with money because what do we want? What's the one thing the Bible said the love of is a sin? Money. Everybody wants to say money is a sin. No, it's not. It's your love of it. It's the moment you think you need it more than you need anything else. It's the moment it becomes your provider. When you love it to that level. So in this moment, we've used that love of money in church to manipulate you. Well, if you ask for it, if you're asking from the perspective of love of money, guess what? You're not asking with the right heart. You got to remove that. But that's not what this is saying. It's whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So here's what you have to understand. If the banner is moving that way, and I'm moving this way, and I'm over here asking for something in, under the banner in the name of the Lord. Guess what? It may not come to me. Nine times out of ten, probably not. Probably the one times out of ten it does, you actually got over here and worked for it. God didn't do it. 
There is so many people that are over here praying prayers, that are off the path praying for God to do this and then wondering why it doesn't, or they work hard enough for it and they do it and like, oh, God did this, and then the moment they lose it, well, God took it away from me. Nope, he never gave it to you. You worked hard enough for it. Then you worked hard enough to lose it, and it's really been on you because you were never under the banner anyways. We can even see a place of prosperity as not being a wilderness, but it is. Because if you do it, you work for it, doesn't mean God's in it. What's that require? Ultra moments. I've seen people who take this moment of prosperity that they did, that they earned, and it wasn't handled well. They didn't earn it the right way. They stole money from people. And the moment they realize they need to be under that banner, they can bring this. Sometimes God says, nope, you got to leave it all behind. But now the banner is more important than the stuff I'm bringing. We talked about Jacob when he went to Esau and then he had to take everybody and they went back to Bethel. They went to the altar and they left their jewelry, buried it under a tree. Why? Because God said, you don't need to take that with you. I'm your provider. You don't need to take all your gold and jewelry. You just need to trust me. These are the things, the gods that he's telling, that Paul's talking to them about. There's going to be stuff that you had over here that you thought were valuable that's not going to be valuable when you follow this. When you seek after God, you're going to begin to lay some things down. You're going to trust him some more. So I ask you today, are we under our banner or his banner? I'm telling you, the flags that we chase after, the flags that we pursue, the flags that we find cover, the flags that we find identity in, We can be very stuck worshiping something that is not God. I read a book one time and it said that nationalism is the biggest sin in America. I know. When I read that, I was in the Navy at the time. You know how many people worship this country more than they worship God? You know when people say, America, it's God's country. Mm. I want to check the expiration date on that one. It may have been thought of, designed at one point with that at the place. I'm sure if you take the temperature of the room right now, it's not. I'm not saying you shouldn't be proud of your country. What I'm telling you is you need to be proud of your God more than you're proud of your country. Because the moment that's your connection, you'll see when your country fails. You'll see when the leaders of your country are pulling you a wrong direction. There is so many people who blindly follow the leaders of this country with zero desire to ever know what's actually going on or question those. It'd be the same way in the church. If you just blindly followed me, once again, I could wreck this bus. But if you're following him, you'll know when they're off the path. If more people were following the banner of God, guess what? You'd realize how far the banner of America is off. It's happened in our country. I may ruffle some feathers with this one. When the Black Lives Matter movement started, we weren't following the banner of heaven. We started following another banner. Why is that? Because the, the church wasn't following the banner of heaven either. We were following what we wanted to. Then this movement started here. Same thing happened in our feminist movement. The church was doing what they thought when it had come to women instead of the banner of heaven. It's still here today. Go check. There's a certain denomination that's going through some stuff right now. 
Nominations, man, banner of heaven. That's why church is so in in shambles today. We're all over the place. Because there's no way that every one of those denominations is under the banner of heaven if we're as far apart as we are. I'm just going to give you truth today. You can get your feathers ruffled. I'm this or I'm that. I don't care what you are. I'm going to pursue the banner today. And if that means straying off the path of a denomination, then I'm out. I don't need to follow that anymore. I want to follow the cloud. I want to follow the fire. And I want a group of people who's ready to do the same. Because that's when difference is made. That's when battles are overcome. That's when you're an overcomer. Because you're listening to the voice of God, not the voice of man. Movements that happened in this nation should have happened in the church. But they didn't. So the banner got modified. The enemy was able to use that to get us off the path. He'll use things that entice us because we're not being fed in this place to bring us to another place. I don't like the manna anymore. Oh, over here I got a buffet. There's a whole lot of people chasing the spiritual golden corral. And you know kids have had their fingers in that chocolate fountain. (laughs) Y'all know I'm talking about. It ain't no different what the enemy, his finger's been all up in the spiritual chocolate fountain and you go in there and marshmallows, all the things. It ain't good for you. Run from it. Deal with some manna for a time because you're coming into a season where there may be abundance. Maybe you've got to eat a salad to appreciate the steak. Stay away from the spiritual chocolate fountains. That's, if anything you take away from, I'm just kidding. But are you pursuing your banner, one that's been given to you, one that's been told you're valuable? Are you really pursuing who Jesus is, what Jesus said? Because that's where our strength comes from. That's where our ability to be overcome from. That's where our knowledge and our wisdom comes from. I'm asking every one of you today, we need to look in the mirror and say, what banners am I following? What banners am I under? What flags am I flying? Acts 4, 11, and 12 Because as many times as this, the Lord is my banner, we have to change directions. Sometimes we even have to change the structures in our life. Acts 4, 11, and 12. So we find Peter preaching to the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Peter and John. And it says, 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. I want you to circle that, the builders. What he is declaring over the Pharisees and the Sadducees is you are not the architect, you're just the builders. And he gave you a blueprint and he sent the cornerstone. So a cornerstone is the corner part of the building that you build off. This is the one thing that you know is right. Any of y'all ever done some work in your house and you're measuring it, and you realize your walls are never right. We just redid our kitchen putting tile up. Oh, my God, it drives me bananas because it don't fit. It's all jagged. I'm like, what did I do? And I didn't do anything. The wall's wrong. The purpose of building is there is a cornerstone. It builds off of this. This is right. If everything else is wrong, this is right. Think about this from the wilderness perspective. As they're circling in the wilderness, they came back to what was right, and they still kept building the other way. Tear it all down, they come back to what was right. 40 years. 
If you would just focus on this cornerstone, if you just focus on this altar I built right after we took over Amalek, that the Lord is my banner, oh. then you're asking, well, why did the fire continue to lead them that way? Because they couldn't get right. He was not going to take them into a place of abundance for them to get destroyed and the nation of Israel had been wiped out like that. He had to get them right before they could go be who they were called to be. That's a frustrating point in your life is when you're following the fire, when you're following the Holy Spirit and you're like, why am I going through this? He's like, because you're bringing some stuff with you. See, the banner won't change that. Moses did not go to the promised land. Why? Because he continued to bring his insecurities with him. He continued to be defined by the staff. That thing, maybe it's his comfort blanket, the staff. This is who I am. I am the staff wielder. God says, okay, you may be, but I'm not. Speak to the water. Speak to the rock and the water will come out. Nah, trust this because I'm insecure about myself. I'm insecure about my voice. And God's like, out of all the things I've done to you, Moses, you're still insecure. Okay, then you won't go where I have you because you can't get over what you're not and realize that I am. There are some people today that are stuck in that place. Well, this is who I am. That's why you battle anxiety and depression. It's because you're struggling in that place. And God's like, I am. I am. So the cornerstone, Peter says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. In other words, you've been building all of this, but you don't even know what you're supposed to be building off of, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, when we come to know this, when we meet this Jesus guy, we're invited to the table and we had that moment, connection, The hardest part for anybody to realize is we have had a cornerstone in our life. Maybe it was something that was given to us. Anybody remember when you first got married, maybe somebody gave you something to put in your home and this is this was your great great grannies. It becomes more of a nuisance than anything, right? Because it don't match your drapes. Ain't nobody using that color green no more. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But we hold on to some things. Maybe it was not given to you. Maybe it was forged for you. Maybe it was just what you thought you were worthy of. This is all I've ever had. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build off of this. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even this banner that they knew. couldn't see that the direction had changed because they had gotten so good at just going through the motions, doing it the same way. It started following the pace car, but then the pace car left they were scrambling on who to follow next. 
Moses, this is why it's important that you say this to Joshua. Because this thing will go on without you. I'll dictate the direction. You need to tell them about this victory. You know, it was in that moment they were talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Peter, this unqualified, uneducated man, he got up and spoke. He said, where did you get this from? Who are you? What you're saying, what you're doing is not what I'm seeing. Something deeper. See, because when you begin to follow the banner of heaven, when you begin to follow the Lord as your banner, people are not going to take notice of you. They're going to take notice of the direction you're going. What if you could never tell somebody again that you were a Christian? How would they see you? Would they know it by your actions? If they really got into this word and said, wow, that is like every time I look at them, they're not saying it, they're doing. Pose that question to you again. If you never were able to tell anybody again that you were a Christian, would they know it? Jesus said, They'll, you'll know them by their fruits. Actually, he didn't say fruits. He said fruit. See, that's the banner of heaven. That's the Lord is my banner. Is the pursuit of him. And as I follow him, the fruit becomes evident. Jesus, the fruit just fell off of him. If you were in the vicinity, you were nourished. Why? Because as he says, abide in me, abide in the Father. Challenge you today. Is the Lord your banner? A banner that waves above and beyond all the other banners in your life. The banner that if it moves one way and the other banners that we follow are moving another, which one would you follow? Well, I've found identity. I've found comfort and security. I've found in this, so I'm just going to stay with this one. I can assure you, come a moment where you'll encounter a battle and you'll wish you had the right banner over your head. My Bible says we are overcomers in Christ. That's our declaration today. When we follow that banner, when our pursuit is Jesus, then we walk in that purpose and overcoming. So today, if you're... Walking and you're fighting some battles, you're like, ugh, 
Pastor said they're going to be an overcomer. Stay the course. They fought all day, but they won when the time was right. Go read your Bible. Psalms, it says, he makes a table in the presence of your enemies. He will provide. But is he your banner? Father, we thank you today for this word, for this time with you. Pray that you would lead us, guide us, challenge us, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to see you. I pray that anybody that's sounded my voice that's been pursuing the things of man in their life, even good things, things that have been good to them, even religious things, all the things that have somehow found value, have somehow become our gods. Pray that you would open our eyes to see it this week. We would be challenged to begin to follow you. Father, we trust you. We know that you do this with a loving heart, a loving nudge, an invitation. Your death, Jesus, on that cross, paid for our salvation, gave us the room. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Will we stand up as Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Because Moses had been in his ear. Let that be our pursuit. Father, we thank you for the continued leading, guiding, and love along the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go. 